The following audio is from West Pines Community Church. For more information about West Pines, visit us at westpines.org. You can join us live Sunday mornings at 9, 10, 30, or 12 in Pembroke Pines, Florida, or online at westpines.org. Well, church, it's great to see you here today. We, uh, we love you. Glad that you're here. Uh, those of you joining us online, I'm glad that you've joined us. You are part of our church as well. And if you're joining us online and maybe you are in another part of the country or another part of the world, you might not be fully aware of the roller coaster week that those of us here in South Florida have been on. And um, on a week like this, as we are preparing and thinking about a possible storm um, that uh, might impact us, we're not sure to what degree. But in preparing for that storm, I was thinking back about the hurricanes that um, I've experienced just growing up down here in South Florida. And there's something about hurricane preparation and going through a hur- hurricane that it kind of reveals uh, our reflexes. There's something about that reveals a reflex in small ways and large ways. Uh, on a small way, uh, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but um, if the power gets knocked out inside and you're inside and maybe you're already shuttered up, and you're inside, the power gets knocked out, so it's completely dark. And I've had this happen to me before where I turn on the little flashlight on my phone, and I'm going into the next room to find, like, a flashlight in there. And I walk into the room and try and flip on the light switch. <laughs> and I'm standing there, and I'm completely alone, and yet I'm still embarrassed. I'm like, I am such an idiot. Like, I know the power's out. Like, why would I try the light switch? And it's just a reflex. So I had that... A similar thing happened to me a couple days ago. Um, I, we decided to go ahead and put up shutters on our house, and so um, I had just finished shuttering the whole house, and I, you know, on all the windows, the front door, all of it. And um, re- go to Rebecca, and I say, "Hey, I'm just going to go run out for some for some uh, last-minute things." And so I'm watching my my phone, looking at the next update, and I go to the front door, and I open it, and go, "Bang!" Like, I almost did, like, a face plant, like, into the door. And I'm standing there like, I am such a moron. Like, 15 minutes ago, I put shutters on this door. Why did I try going back out there? And then, to make it matters worse, about two seconds later, I hear Rebecca die laughing in the kitchen. (laughs) Just mocking my stupidity, okay? Like, I know she has to live with someone inferior mentally, but she doesn't have to laugh out loud about that, okay? So it kind of shows us our reflexes, so in small ways and in in larger ways as well, because there was another reflex that I kind of went through through the week, and maybe you did too, but it was a spiritual reflex. So I remember when I first kind of realized that there was a possible storm coming towards South Florida, and at that moment I began praying, Lord, please just send the storm back out to sea. Please just don't let it hit our city, don't let it hit our state, don't let it hit our country. Just please send it back out to sea. And I've been praying that for a couple days. And then I remember after praying that a few days, I saw this update. This is a several days ago. I don't know if you remember this particular uh, update. I, I know you've seen like 90 of these already. So I don't know if you can remember. They all get jumbled in your brain. But a few days ago, this was the forecast. This was the, the model and I remember I had been praying, Lord, send it out to sea, send it out to sea. And then I, I, I look and I get the update. And I'm like, that's the exact opposite. <laughs> like that is exact opposite of what I'm praying. And I don't know if you have this, have ever had this reflex, but I have this reflex that I have to, I have to remind myself of the truth. But I, I have this reflex where I'm like, okay, 
Lord, I, I prayed one thing. It seems like you're doing the opposite. Then why do I pray? Like, why do I even pray if you're just going to do what's ever in your plan? Like, what's the point of me praying? Does it even work? Like, why do I do this? And so uh, a few days later, the, um, I, I am watching the update. You know, we're getting, getting everything ready. and watch the update, and all of a sudden I get the update where this looks like the storm is going, going north and going out to sea. And at that point I'm like, that's why prayer works. <laughs> I pray all the time, Lord. I never doubted. You hear my prayers. And it's the power of the prayer. I know what I'm going to preach about on Sunday. It's the power of prayer, people. And so I don't know if you have those reflexes. It's like this up and down, and it draws that, that spiritual reflex out of us. And it makes us kind of wonder, okay, how are we supposed to then, like, pray through a storm like that? Like, how are we supposed to do that? And so we, we're, we've been in this, the middle of this series called Family Goals, and we're going to put that on hold. We're going to pick that up next week. We've got some awesome things to share with you and some resources to share with you next week. Um, so come back for the, the end of our Family Goals series next week. But we want to just take a pause because when it comes to seasons like this, circumstance like this, God never wastes these types of circumstances. So what can we glean spiritually out of a week like this? What can we take out from a week like this? And specifically, how can we learn how to pray through a storm? And so that's what we're going to talk about. Today's going to be a little bit different than how we typically do. It's just going to be more kind of a, a Bible study. We're going to look at several different scriptures. But here's what I want to do. Since we're going to do a little bit different, I want you to go ahead and take out a thing to take notes on. Take out your Bible, a Bible app. And specifically, I want you to jot down in your journal um, the scriptures that we're talking about, because there's going to be chapters that we jump to that we can't read all the way through, but I want you to jot it down because on a week like this, you maybe end up getting buttoned up in your house for a couple days and, and uh, kind of stranded inside with bad weather outside. And so a great week, a week like this, is a great week for you to, to just read through scripture. You know, in fact, for some of us, you know, if the power knocked out and the cell phone lines and the wife, that might be the best thing for us, okay, to just kind of sit quietly without tech distractions. And so what do you do with that? You're going to hear several scriptures that I want to encourage you to go back to these next couple days and read through, meditate on them, t jot down notes on them. So let's go through some scriptures together. Specifically, here's what we're going to look at today. I want to look at how Jesus prayed through his storm. So we're going to look at a few prayers that Jesus prayed during his passion. Now, what do we mean by his passion? These are, his passion is specifically, um, especially the, the last week of his life, those last 24 hours from when he gets arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He gets put on trial. He's falsely accused. He's lied about. He's mocked. Then he's beaten. Then he's whipped. Then he is paraded uh, up Mount Calvary, nailed to the cross, and suffers and died uh, on the cross. That is specifically, that suffering is his passion. And that's what's known as that. But what we see is he prays all the way through that passion. There's several prayers, and we're going to dial in on three of them, especially this first one I want to take a few minutes to look at. Um, especially. And I want you to open to Luke chapter 22. We're going to start at verse 41. So open to Luke 22, verse 41. Here's what it says. 
And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is Thursday night before he's crucified the next day. Saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now there's so much in here. This is truly a a profound prayer. He is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, He is fully aware of what is about to transpire. And he kneels down before the Father. In fact, he he starts by saying, Father, which is consistent with how he taught his disciples and taught us to pray. When the disciples said, teach us to pray, he said, here's how you pray, say, our Father. And the reason that's so significant is because that puts us, sets us in the right relationship that we have with God. We're not talking to a being, when we talk to God, we're not talking to a being that has this like sterile, cold, kind of clinical sovereignty. We're talking to a being who is a father. He knows us. He has affection for us. He's for us. He, he cares about the things we care about. And so that is the, the relationship, that's the setting, the relational setting we are in when we pray. So he says, Father, and he says, please can you take this cup from me? And it's this image of, from the Old Testament of a, what, what kind of cup? A cup of wrath. And so it talks about this cup of wrath. In other words, there's a cup of wrath that he is supposed to drink down. God's wrath. And he says, God, can this cup pass for me? Is there any way that I don't have to go through this, Father? Because what he's about to suffer is not just the physical pain of being tortured and then crucified. He's going to go through a type of agony that we can't even comprehend. He's going to take the full fury of God's wrath for sin on himself, the wrath we deserve, he's going to take on himself. And he says, please, God, he presents his request. This is his request. Please, can it be that this cup can pass for me? Can it, is there any way that I cannot walk through this? Now, what's so profound about this is that this was the plan from the beginning. Like, this wasn't like a plan B, like when, when the God the Son, Jesus, who's God in the flesh, he's fully human and he's fully God. You see his humanity coming out here, but he knew from the beginning that this was the plan. He came to suffer and die. There was a transaction Jesus came to accomplish on the earth. He came to pay for sins. And despite the fact that this has always been the plan, I mean, the whole Old Testament's pointing towards this moment. This is the centerpiece moment of the history of the universe. despite that, he still brings his request to God and he asks, is there any way that I don't have to walk through this? But then notice what he says next. He says, but not my will, yours be done. And so then he takes this position of surrender. Now we actually know how God answers that request. He says, God, can you take this away from me? We know how God answers that. God said no. 
Jesus is going to have to walk through all of the suffering. He is going to have to face the full force of God's wrath that we deserve. He's going to absorb it on himself. God says no to this request. Now here's the thing that so often happens for us um, when, when we pray something and God says no, so often what happens to us is we say, God, this is why, why do I pray then? Why do I pray if, you're, if you say no? Like if, it, if that's what happens, why do I pray? And, and when that instinct comes up inside of us, that's a cue that we don't understand what prayer is for. It's like we're using prayer as a tool for the wrong task. We're using it in the wrong way. Um, when we were setting up uh, hurricane shutters, there was one shutter I put on, and, and I've got a, a drill, and I've got the type with, like, the wing nuts on it, okay? And they, they sell this attachment for your drill that, like, goes right on top of the wing nut and just drills it right in. I mean, it's like a gift from heaven, that attachment, okay? Like, if, that is, if you have one thing you need for a hurricane, forget what they tell you. That is the one thing you need for a hurricane. If I could have that or a generator, I would go with that $5 attachment for a drill. Okay, so I'm drilling it in, and there's this one shutter that I get in, and it's just, like, off like an inch, and I, I need to, like, hammer it in. So I'm just trying to, like, hit it with the side of my drill, okay, which I know is not a good idea. But I'm trying to hit it with my drill. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, so I have to put the drill down and go get a hammer, and, like, with one whack of the hammer, it goes right into place. Well, I was using, it's a tool, but I was using the drill, but I was using it for the wrong purpose. The moment we say, see, prayer doesn't work, you said no, that should be a cue that we've gotten like off focus, we're using prayer in the wrong way, because that's not what prayer is. Sometimes we use prayer almost like a superstition ritual. As if my prayer is an opportunity for me to try and control my out the outcomes of the circumstances in my life. So what do you mean by superstition ritual? I want you to imagine a baseball player. He's going up to bat. And so he's got his, his exact like superstition ritual down. He like, you know, fixes his clothes a certain way. He walks up to the batter's box. He makes sure he doesn't step on the baseline, okay? He swings his bat a certain way, steps back out, gets back in, you know, hits his cleat. I mean, he's got like his superstition ritual because he wants to get on base. That's the outcome. And he's trying to control that outcome in any way he can. And if he doesn't get on base, then he's got to ask himself, either the ritual didn't work or I'm doing it wrong. See, sometimes we treat prayer as an, as, as an attempt to control our outcome. And if we're using that prayer like that, then when we don't get what we want, we're like, yes, prayer must be broken. But that's not what prayer is for. Look at the posture Jesus took. He asks and then he accepts. He says, God, this is my request. This is what's on my heart. This is what's burning inside of me. Please, God, can I have this? And then he says, but I surrender to whatever you bring to, to me. I surrender to however you answer this request. Prayer is not for control. Sometimes we say it like this here at our church. Prayer is not a vehicle for control. It's a vehicle for surrender. Or if you're taking notes, you can jot it down like this. Prayer is not seizing sovereignty, but surrendering to it. Prayer is not my way of saying, okay, I am going to become the, uh, if I pray right, I'm going to pray, I'm going to um, gain a position of sovereignty over my outcomes so that I can control my outcomes. 
Prayer is not seizing sovereignty, but surrendering to it. Prayer is not just some kind of transaction like with a spiritual vending machine. Like if I push the buttons just right and put in the right amount, then I, I, I press the button and out comes exactly what I asked. That's not how prayer works. It's not a formula. Prayer is talking and communing with a living being. It's talking to the, the living almighty God. Sometimes he says yes and sometimes he says no. But when I say, oh, I didn't get the outcome, either prayer's not working or the other thing we say is maybe I did it wrong. If I had just prayed more, maybe I would have gotten the answer I wanted. If I just had more faith, if I just lived a better life, if I, if I had just done more, but I want you to see that's why this is so instructive. Jesus made his request and God said no. Did Jesus lack faith? Did Jesus lack any holiness or righteousness? Did Jesus pray wrong? No, Jesus used prayer to make his request. He asked, then he accepted. What is prayer? Why do we, why do we pray? Here's number one for you to write down. Prayer is for surrender. That's one of the purposes of prayer. I pray, why do I pray? I pray to take a posture of surrender. I say, God, here's the request. Here's what's on my heart, but I will accept whatever you bring from your hand. Prayer is for surrender. So maybe you say, okay, but, all right, I hear you, but if, if that's what prayer's for, then, I mean, why don't I just skip it all together? I mean, God knows my heart. God, you know what I want. You know what I want. You know what's best. Let me, let's just skip all the stuff in between, all right? We already know all that. So then why do I pray? Because we want to take advantage of this. Let's go back to the Gospels. I want you to take a look at one of the other prayers that Jesus prays during his passion. This one he prays on the cross. Listen to this prayer. And, and maybe you've heard this before. Even if you're not familiar with the Bible, maybe you've heard this prayer that Jesus prayed before. It's in Mark 15, 34. While on the cross, this happened. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this is truly a remarkable prayer for many, many reasons. One is we see Jesus modeling. He's just pouring out his soul to God. God, this is how I feel right now. This is what it feels like. God, you have left me. You have forsaken me. He's modeling, pouring out, and expressing to God. But there's another layer that makes this so significant. It's theological. Because what's happening here is God is literally forsaking him. God the Father forsaking God the Son. He is literally being forsaken by the Father so that we can be found by the Father. It's a profound statement of what's happening. But there's an even another layer in addition to that. What Jesus is doing is he's praying the first sentence of a psalm, Psalm 22, that King David wrote, which is interesting from the standpoint that remember King David is Jesus's great, 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 great grandfather, all the way back a thousand years. So King David is writing a psalm, Psalm 22, that Jesus quotes the opening lines. Now you gotta enter into this moment. 
for someone to be crucified, their, their arms are crucified out, in order to gain a, a breath, death usually ends up happening by suffocating. Because to get a breath, you have to pull yourself up to get your, your diaphragm and your lungs in a position to get a breath. So most of Jesus' statements are just one lines while he's on the cross because that's about all the breath he, he has to give. So he pulls himself up enough to utter the beginning of Psalm 22 and lets himself down. There's a cue here. As Jesus is surviving, is trying to, to survive on the cross um, long enough for him to be ordained to be on there before he dies, he is running to this psalm in his mind. And it's cueing us to realize this is where Jesus' mind is at on the psalm. He's obviously rehearsing and reciting this entire psalm in his mind. So when we go to Psalm 22 and read it, you can see what was on your Savior's mind while he was on the cross. As written by King David a thousand years earlier. I want to read to you a couple pieces of this. You should go back and read Psalm 22 um, later uh, this week, but let me just read you a couple lines. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. I mean, do you see the honesty in that? You see, he's not holding back. He's just expressing to God exactly where he's at. Now, I want to just skip ahead um, a, a couple verses. I, I want to go over to verse 14. And as I read this next section, I want you to see this was on Jesus' mind. And I want to remind you before we, we read this, this was written a thousand years before Jesus was on this planet. This is what it says. Verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Did you see this? King David writes this a thousand years, and Jesus is clinging to this psalm while he's on the cross. These exact things are playing out before him. It's almost like God embedded in the Psalter, in the book of Psalms, embedded in there a thousand years ahead of time, written by King David, put it in there for the son of David to draw strength from while he's on the cross. I mean, do you see some of the things it says? It says, my bones are out of joint. Can you imagine hanging like this for hours, pulling yourself up and down? Do you imagine what that would do to your joints? One of the statements Jesus makes on the cross is, I thirst. What does he say here? He says, my tongue sticks to my jaws. He's parched. God has given him a psalm to recite to express his suffering. He says, they, they encircle me, they gloat over me. What does it say happens? It says that people are mocking him while he's crucified. 
It says they divide my garments, they cast lots for them. That literally happens at the foot of the cross. They, it's like ancient dice. They roll dice for who gets his, his garments. They're literally dividing it up among themselves, literally. And then it says, did you notice it says they've pierced my hands and my feet? Can I just remind you, this is written hundreds of years before the Romans who popularized crucifixion Hundreds of years before the Roman Empire even existed, this is written by King David for the son of David. He's expressing, why is this there? It's letting him express out to God what he's suffering through. And then look at where, where the psalm goes next. I want you to see there's a shift in this psalm. Psalm 22, verse 21. There's a shift it goes from a cry to a declaration. Look what it says. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Did you see that shift? It goes from crying out, God, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in pain, I'm in agony, I, I'm parched, I'm being mocked, I'm pierced. But I will declare about you, you have rescued me. It's as good as done. And he moves from a cry to a declaration. See, Jesus is taking advantage of a part of praying through a storm that we, we have to take advantage of for our own sake. He's expressing out his heart to God. He's taking advantage of the fact that he's crying to his father. And you know, Christian, you you are sons and daughters of the Father. Take advantage of this and express this out. What is prayer for? Prayer is for surrender. But number two, prayer is also for relationship. See, this might be one of the most neglected parts of prayer. So often we think that we have to be like super spiritual when we pray to God. Like all of a sudden we have to use these these and thous and just like get like Shakespearean on God and just sound like a super Christian. And God's like, I just heard you talking on the phone a minute ago. Like, why are you talking so weird? Like, that's just, it's just weird. Like, he's like, just talk to me. I know you better than anyone. I know how you talk. And so often it's like we're, we're afraid to be real and raw with God so we can only present God. No, God, I don't have any doubts. And you and me, we're good. He's like, okay, like, I know your heart. I see I don't see how humans see. I look on the heart. So let's just talk about it. So you're, you're mad at me. I know you're mad at me. Let's just talk about it. So whether you're mad or fearful or we're doubting or we're confused, like express it. Take advantage of bringing your heart before the one who can do something about your heart. Bring your heart before the Lord so he can take you from a cry to a declaration of praise. Express that out. Don't hold that back. That's just not taking advantage of one of the values of prayer, of expressing to God in relationship and taking advantage of who your heavenly father is. Your father, Christian, is the one who holds the universe together. Pour out your soul and your heart to him. Take advantage of that. 
pour out to him your concerns and your frustrations and your doubts and also your, your praises and, and the ways you're thankful and you're grateful and, and, the, and also your insecurities and your uncertainties and, and your victories and your losses. Pour it all out. Take advantage of expressing in relationship to God. That's what Jesus did as he was walking through his storm, his suffering. He cried out to God. But there's something else that Jesus did. I want to look at one other verse here. We're going to go back to the Gospels. This is in Luke 23, 34. Again, a familiar prayer that Jesus made on the cross. It says this. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Now this is an unbelievable, like, just almost unimaginable prayer. He, while he's being crucified, he prays and he asks on their behalf. He prays for them. He says, Father, forgive them. And what's interesting about this is this is actually an allusion also to an, to an Old Testament passage. And if Psalm 22 is profound that it was written a thousand years before Jesus, Isaiah 53 is equally if not more profound that this was written over 700 years before the time of Jesus. Let me just read you, again, read this this week, the whole chapter, but let me just read you a couple verses. Verse three, it says this, and and from the perspective of Isaiah, this is the coming Messiah. This is 700 years before Jesus. He says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Profound. He's wounded so we can be healed. He's punished so we can find forgiveness. Literally, by his, by his piercings, it says, we find our healing. But at the very end of this chapter, it, it also foreshadows another part of his passion. Look what it says in verse 12. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many. Now watch this and makes intercession for the transgressors. Do you see this here? It's saying he not only is going to take their sin, take our sin on himself, while doing that, he will also intercess on their behalf. It's foreshadowing exactly what happens there in Luke 23. He's paying for our sins on the cross, and while paying for them, he also intercedes for us. He also prays for us. He also prays for our forgiveness. He says, Father, forgive them. He's interceding on our behalf. He's praying on our behalf. What do we mean by intercession? Intercession is a type of prayer where we pray on behalf of someone else. Intercession or interceding is is that, that issue that your parents are struggling with and you're lifting them up in prayer. It's the things you're worried about for your children and you're praying for them. It's that part, that, 
That, that whatever it is that you're praying for your spouse, you're praying for them, you're interceding for them. It's for that lost person in your place of work and you just want them to know the saving power of Jesus, you're praying for them. It's for your church, as you're praying for your church that the mission that God has for your church will go forward. It's for your city that you'll see your city transformed. That is interceding. And this was so important. This is not just a throwaway moment on the cross where Jesus looks just unbelievably forgiving. This was a moment foreordained in Isaiah 53, foretold that he would not only take the sins on the cross, he'd also pray on our behalf, interceding for us, because his prayers for us were powerful. See, what's happening when we pray? Just because God is sovereign and in control, and our prayers come from a posture of surrender, that doesn't mean that our prayers don't accomplish anything. He works through our prayers. In the same way he works through you when you share your faith, and when you come and you serve here at your church, and when you give here at your church, he works through that generosity. In the same way that he works when you, when you pour into your kids and you disciple them, in the same way he works when you're out in your neighborhood and you do an act of kindness, especially on a week like this, because it's like the only week we talk to our neighbors, okay, when there's a hurricane, all right? So when you're doing an act of kindness for your neighbors, he works through that. And in the same way, when you pray, when you intercede, he works through those prayers. He wants to work with you. It's like um, when I was getting ready for the, for the hurricane, I, I, I grabbed my little buddy and I said, hey, buddy, my, my, my four-year-old son, Nehemiah, I said, hey, buddy, you want to come be my helper? And he said, yeah, dad. So we go and we sit down on the step and now I'm trying to figure out, okay, what is he going to do, okay? I'm like, can't like put like a hurricane shutter. Here, son, good luck with that. You know, I'm not going to do that. So um, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm like, hey, buddy, see this box of bolts? And I poured them out. I said, can you count those? I need to know how many bolts there are. He's like, I can do that. So he's putting one, he's counting one, two, and he's counting all of the bolts. Why? Because I'm giving him a lesson. I'm talking about how, buddy, we're protecting our family. We're protecting our home. Uh, and you're a protector, and I'm training him to be a protector. But I want him to do this with me. That's what a father does. He wants to bring you in on the work that he's doing. Prayer is for surrender, prayer is for relationship, and prayer is, number three, it's a partnership with Almighty God. It's unbelievable. He wants to work through your prayers. So that's why he stirs you up to pray. That's why he commands you to pray. That's why he burdens you so that you pray. He wants to work through your prayers. I feel like sometimes that's why he waits for us to pray. Because he's calling us into partnership with him. Does he need our prayers? Of course not. Does he work without our prayers all the time? But he's calling us into the privilege of partnering with him. He calls us to pray. Sometimes he waits for our prayers. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He calls us to pray. Why do we pray? How do we pray through a storm? Well, during a storm, we, we pray through like Jesus prayed through his storm. We, we come to him and we take a posture of surrender. We present our request. We ask, but we also accept. We take a position of surrender. We also, how do we pray through a storm? We, we push into our relationship with God. 
We start with our cries, the real cries in our heart. We vent that out, express that to God. We go from cry to declaration of praise. We let him go to work on our hearts. We express that to God. We take advantage of relationship. How do we pray through a storm? We partner with God and we dig in and we pray. We continue to pray for protection, pray for safety. And we dig in and we pray for those even if we might not be in the path of a storm. We pray for those who are in the path of the storm. Because you know what? Our brothers and sisters, there are brothers and sisters of ours in the faith who are in the path of the storm and they've been praying too. And so we dig in and partner with the Father and pray for their protection. On a week like this, it's a week to push into prayer. You might find yourself uh, with some downtime this week and waiting for the weather to pass by. Take advantage, push into prayer. Maybe get a journal, express your heart to God. Maybe keep bringing your request to God where you say, God, this is what I want, but I'm surrendering to you. And you keep pushing in in prayer. Maybe you take this opportunity to list out all the people that you want to intercede for, all the people you want to pray for, and join God in the work he's doing. The people that don't know Jesus in your life, the things that your, your church is doing that you want to pray for, the, the, the city that you live in, the place that you work, the neighbors that you have, your family members. Maybe you take advantage and you pray over them and intercede and allow God to work powerfully through your prayers. He wants to partner with you. And so this is an opportunity to dig in and pray. And parents... This is such a significant opportunity to pray with your children. Pray with them. Call your children out to pray and present the request to him. And when they pray and present those requests, celebrate when God says yes. But parents, please don't sweep it under the rug when God says no. Don't avoid that. Your children need to know how to handle when God says no. They need to know what the posture of prayer is, surrender looks like. Hey, sweetheart, God says no, but you know what? Even though we're disappointed, we trust that God knows best and we're gonna surrender to him and wait for the good that he's gonna bring out of this. Walk through in a week like this when God says yes and God says no with our families. It's a great opportunity for that. But you know, the, the thing is, on a week like this, um, and thinking about storms, you know, many of us walked in here today and may have said, yeah, I, I've got some concern for the hurricane, but if I'm honest, that's not even the biggest storm in my life right now. I have another storm that's way more concerning to me that I'm going through. It's the storm at my place of work. It's a financial storm, maybe. A health storm. A relationship storm, maybe it is a, a, a marital storm, maybe it's a storm with your kids, maybe it's some other kind of storm, maybe you say like that is what I'm really trying to find shelter. And so as we close our, our time together, I want to just read over one last psalm to you. I want to read a portion, this is Psalm 31. I just want to read this over you that this would be our prayer together as a church. And what's significant about Psalm 31 is this is also, you'll notice as I'm reading through this, this is also a psalm that Jesus quotes on the cross. One of his prayers is a quotation from this psalm. And just as he drew strength from this, from a storm unlike we can imagine, no hurricane can compare to the full force of the wrath of God that Jesus 
absorbed. And as he drew strength from this psalm, obviously this was one of his prayers on the cross. May we draw strength and may this be our prayer through our storms. To the choir master, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net that they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me. O Lord, faithful God. He goes on to say, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. This was the prayer of our Savior. May this be our prayer in our storms, that we might find refuge and run to him. I don't know the storm that you're in, Christian. I don't know what that storm is. But the Savior who's walking through this storm with you is no stranger to suffering. And you can find refuge in Him. Push into prayer, Christian. Push into prayer in seasons like this. Some of you in this, in this room or some of you walking, watching online, Maybe you've never taken that step to make Jesus your Savior. Maybe in your mind, one day you'll be in heaven and you'll be forgiven because you did a pretty good job here on earth. You did your best. But that's not how you get to heaven. That's not how you're saved. It's the transaction that took place on the cross where he absorbed the wrath of God. He paid for your sins so that you can be forgiven. And what Jesus said is he says, I am the door. You have to walk through that door. You have to put your faith in Jesus. That's the only way to be saved. It's just accept that in faith. And I'm going to say this to you because I love you. I'm going to tell you the truth. That if you don't walk through that door, a storm is waiting for you one day when you stand before God. Jesus absorbed the wrath of God for you, but you have to put your faith in Jesus. You just have to accept it as a free gift. And if you don't, then you're facing the storm of God's wrath. An eternity forsaken by the presence of God. Please turn to Jesus. 
Run to the refuge that is Jesus. Run through that door. His name is Jesus. And put your faith in him today. Accept him. You say, what do I have to do to do that? What do I have to do to take that step? Just receive it. He's offering it to you. Just walk through the door today. Just say yes to Jesus. And if that's you, if you're here, you're watching online, I just want to pray for you. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. You can put your faith in Jesus. Please take that, that opportunity. Please take this opportunity. Don't leave here uncertain. You can know for sure. If everyone would just bow their heads and close their eyes. If you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, I want to lead you in this simple prayer. And if you're here and you're saying, that's me, I want to take that step today with no one looking around, everyone's eyes closed. But if that's you, you say, look, I want to take that step today. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to know for certain that I'm saved then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But before that, I want to ask you to take a bold step. And with no one looking around, you say, look, that's me. I want to pray that prayer today. You say, I want to take that, make that prayer today. Then here's what I want you to do. Just slip your hand up in the air and put it back down. You say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Amen. I see it. I see it. Praise God. Anybody else say, that's me today. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. Amen. Amen. Those of you who slipped your hand in the air, I want to lead you in this simple prayer. Make these words your words to God. Silently in your heart, just say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that you rose again from the dead, just like the Bible claims. I give my life to you. I surrender to you. I put my faith in you. And I know that I'll spend forever and in eternity in heaven. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at westpines.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, please call at 954-432-0321 or you can email us at podcast at westpines.org.